All right, guys, today I get to interview Ben Swart, and we're going to be talking about not his main hustle, but his side hustle. Uh, more and more, I see value in people working a normal job while building their dream job on the side uh, so that you have stability in the process. As the markets change, get a little bit more tumultuous. A lot of agents have left the field. A lot of investors have been leaving the field. And a lot of times what could happen is you could get a job and stay in and keep growing your passion. Or if you're just coming up and rising up the ranks, maybe the idea is start building your passion. Ben is a perfect example of somebody who has a decent job, but who now has built the side hustle that's way outperforming his main gig. Um, and it's taking him into a huge landscape where he's now able to invest in real estate and do some really crazy things. Ben, thank you for coming on the show. I know email marketing has been one of your biggest successes so far and affiliate marketing that goes along with that. Take us into like, what have you been doing in, in email marketing and why has it been working for you? Yeah. Um, so I've been doing email marketing really only for the past year, really. I haven't, you know, before the past year done anything with email marketing. I learned it as soon as I got into this opportunity with the employee retention credit. And as soon as I learned about it, I knew I just needed to put all my focus into it. You know, I was spending, you know, nights until four o'clock in the morning, researching, going YouTube really hard, doing everything I could to soak in all the technical details about how to optimize email, how to win with cold email, how to get really great open rates, how to get great deliverability, all the systems and tools used to make a good campaign flow and deliver results. Um, so I've been doing all that for just the past year now. Okay. So out of that year, how much of it have you spent learning what we call the fundamentals, the basics? Like how long sure, did it take sure. you to grasp the main core element? Probably about a month and a half um, because I went really, really hard. Like I was spending six to 10 hours a day sometimes like learning and talking with people who are experts at it, doing everything I could. So I, I learned it rather quickly just because I went in really, really hard. Okay. So let's say my name's Matt. And I just am going to stop all my activities uh, during my workday. So you have me for eight hours a day. What do I do? How do I get as good as Ben at email marketing? Yeah. So one of the best ways, I mean, is really to find somebody that's successfully doing it and mentorship. I've yeah. taken so much value from mentors and I feel like, yes, you can just pull a bunch of random information together, which is what I did for this. But I found a really good mentor who I was able to learn a lot from and just bounce things off of constantly and having that kind of feedback quickly really made a huge difference. So I highly recommend finding somebody in the space and working with them directly in the beginning. Yeah. And so what was your approach? I mean, cause you're working this W2 job, like how are you finding these mentors? How are you, are you paying them? How, how does it all work? Yeah. So it really came down to just networking with people in our Facebook group. Um, so I, I joined this program. We were doing an affiliate thing with ERC and uh, I started networking a lot with the guys who were doing the same things as me. So we were able to learn together. Some of us learned certain tricks before one another. And so we kind of just bounced back and forth. So I didn't actually, in this particular case, have a direct paid mentorship, but I just had a few close mentors that I worked very closely with. And we all kind of work together to, to create some beautiful systems around what we were doing. So the people you were learning from, I'm assuming they had a lot of the tools, right? What were you providing to that equation to get them? Was it just friendship? Was it uh, work? How were you getting them to, to give you the goods? Yeah, I'd say the thing I provided most was probably the grit. It was I just kept pushing. I found that I had a lot of time to go after this and I was just extremely hyper interested in learning it and really becoming successful at it because I saw that it's, uh, at least with email, it's a very finite game. There's like XYZ rules. If you adhere to those rules and you continue to, you will be successful with it. And it comes down to a numbers game. 
it's just volume um, and quality. Um, and then once you have those two things down, you're, you're going to see deals kind of whatever you're marketing for. So you say you had a lot of time, but you were working a full-time job. So correct. what does your, what does your day look like? I mean, kind of break it down, like maybe not hour by hour, but sure. give us the real gist of like, Oh, from this time to this time I was doing this. So my schedule has changed significantly now that I've just moved. But when I was living in Buffalo, uh, and when I started this last year, like at the end of August, I was basically waking up at 10 a.m. My workday is 10 to 6 for my day job. So I'd wake up at like 9.59 <laughs> and be ready to go. I would take calls in bed pretty frequently from my boss, have like an hour chat with him, and be like, all right, then go take a shower, the whole stuff, get ready for the, the day, late, albeit. And uh, I do stuff for my day job until 5 or 6. And then, you know, spend, you know, some time with my now wife and, uh, you know, have dinner, hang out for a little bit until she went to bed. At that time, she was a school teacher at an elementary school. So she was waking up super early, going to bed pretty early. So she'd be pretty much lights out by 9 p.m. And from 9 p.m. until generally 3 to 4 a.m., I would just grind and work on all this stuff, whether it was learning the details, researching, talking with folks uh, across the country and across the world, actually, and uh, really just you know, optimizing my campaigns and the technical side of the email setup that I had. That's when I did it all was that kind of 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. window. So, all right. So truly, truly, you're working an eight-hour day, you know, other than maybe a couple hours of like, or 30 minutes of showering or whatever. You're, you're not cheating the system. You're working, you're working the job. And I mean, you're putting in 14-hour days. Yeah. 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 It was a lot for sure. How many days a week? Uh, I mean, so the day job was uh, Monday to Friday, but then Saturday, Sunday, I was also, you know, spending at least six to eight hours Saturday, Sunday, getting into this stuff in the beginning. Now that has absolutely tapered off now that I have my systems and I don't need to be like a nut going crazy because I have stuff working. But uh, in the beginning, I was very much just enamored with all of it. And it didn't feel like work because it was extremely exciting at the time. Uh, learning a new skill, being able to implement it in real time and see the results was just the perfect combination to keep me enthralled with it. Okay. So, I mean, if we're breaking down the hours here, let's say you say six to eight. So let's say an average of 14 hours on the weekend, 14 hours a day times five days, you're working about, gosh, 84 hours a week. I mean, it's, it's truly double full time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no, sure. there's no social life other than the few hours a night with your wife. Yeah, the fun thing, uh, so I did cheat a little bit. So in that 9 to 4 a.m. window, I yeah. definitely would slip in an hour, hour and a half of video games with my buddies yeah, uh, in that go. window as well somewhere too, for sure, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't like the full full 9 to 4 a.m. totally locked in. Yeah. Definitely put in a little bit of friend time too. Dude, honestly, I'm just, I'm blown away by the fact that, I mean, you're, you're working all those hours and just one hour of game time was enough to kind of keep you keep you locked in. So the, the stimulus then, right? I mean, obviously financial freedom, I'm guessing is the main reason that you're like, I got to hit this goal. Like what's, what's driving you work that hard? Yeah. So it's, I mean, really candidly, it's, it's two main factors. Um, it's the excitement, the thrill, adrenaline rush. Um, I was a volunteer firefighter for six years. I'm no longer doing that. And I just have that itch for sure. I found it with this. And secondarily, it's definitely the cash flow um, for both me and the businesses that I get to help because I'm making a huge impact by getting businesses this money that a lot of them didn't know, especially at the time in the beginning that they could get. And then the commissions are very, very healthy on the backside. Um, when you compare it against a W-2 salary, it like hurts your head, the commission size that I, that I was seeing and I'm still seeing. Um, and so that is really what fueled me. So 
let's talk about some of the challenges, some of the obstacles. So, I mean, obviously sure. there's the obstacles of like learning the system, but let's just put that behind us. You put in the hours, you learned how this worked. H- how much time like did it take to like, cause I mean, you have to learn how to market, not just send the technical side, right? How long did it, did it take you to become a marketer? Um, probably three months. Yeah. About three months, which I know there's tons of people that have absolutely, you know, studied the hell out of marketing in school, have, you know, have degrees in marketing. I have really spent a lot of time learning it. So I am a marketer, but I, I wouldn't call myself an expert marketer, although I am able to get a deal A to Z across the table. And I, I learned pretty much everything in about a three month period from like learning that email stuff in the first month and a half to really solidifying that message and, and a cadence to where I was getting deals in at one point daily um, with this opportunity. Wow. Give me, give me a scope of this. What was an average commission check per deal look like in your world on this? Yeah. Average is probably five to 10,000 just because it varies a lot. Um, so, you know, you think when you really break it down, one email, one five minute conversation can be a $10,000 check. You're like, wow. But then the real kicker with this, where the average gets a little wild is yes, there's a lot of those smaller deals. We'll call them, which are actually still very great deals. Or there, and there's some whales. Like I have one deal where I'm making $49,000 from one email cadence that I sent out to one client that converted into a $49,000 commission check. So, and this is kind of an opportunity that has a, a horizon, right? I mean, you can work Correct. this for another year or two, uh, and then it obviously goes away. Yeah. How much in your learning of marketing do you like? I mean, you look at Alex Ramos, he talks about $100 million offers. Sure. Like, how much do you believe that what you've learned will translate to the next offer versus like, man, this offer just kills? Yeah. I mean, so it's a mix of both. This offer absolutely, I think is really a moonshot once in a lifetime offer. It's yeah. a very unique situation. The The timing, the market, the saturation of it at the time was very, very unique. Um, it's definitely getting more saturated, but it's still, we're still cooking deals every single week. Um, so it's a unique opportunity and very, very blessed to have been a part of it. However, very easily, I can see that these skills translate to every type of sales and marketing across the board. Um, before this, I had never done cold calls in my life. Now I'm extremely comfortable doing them. You know, cold email was never a thing for me. Now I can do that. I feel like I could do basically any offer and I've already proven it. I've, um, when I started the side hustle, I was a product manager of our software team. So I led three developers and a QA uh, personnel to build software for firefighters and I was not in sales to any capacity because I did this ERC email marketing side hustle. My job, I was telling them about that. And I was like, you know, why don't I, you know, try my hand at doing sales with the job here. And they, they put me in. And, uh, since I've been bringing in deals from them in the very same methods, and it's just basically like cut and paste, change the messaging a little bit. Um, and because I had my background in fire, I knew the, the product very well and I helped build it over the past five years. So selling it, it became very, very natural. So interesting. So you're obviously we're leveraging your product knowledge, but the sales knowledge really came in and how you learn through refining the ERC offer. Absolutely. And like to put it extremely simple, that sales knowledge is just getting over rejection and being okay with no's, getting hung up on, getting cursed out, all that stuff. As long as you're cool with that and you can just put in volume, I believe that you can succeed in sales because even if you don't know how to talk, even if you're afraid to speak to people over the phone or email, you don't know what to say, you just put in volume, you will improve. Just like with anything else, just like doing podcasts, right? 
you put in the numbers, those reps, and you'll get a lot better. So you doing email and doing it at the volume that you're doing have the ability to decide how much do you want to follow up with a particular person in your world is follow up a thing. Do you just rather get a new lead coming in? Like what does your sales problem look like? Yeah. Follow up is a huge thing. Um, I've had deals where I've continually followed up with someone at a, you know, I don't have an exact science of how I do follow up. I think it's very case by case, depending on how first interactions go with people. But I've had deals where I've initially booked people. They were interested, excited. They've fallen off for four months. And then I brought them back to get them to sign the agreement four months down the road. With so, email? With email, yeah. How much are you doing on the phones? Um, so it's probably 95% email, 5% on the phones. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Okay. All right. So let's dive into this because I love talking about sales. Like, um, so... Tell me like the strategy. So obviously you're peaking interest with headlines and th- that sort of thing. You're getting them in. Yep. You're doing like a discovery or a triage call. Like what's, what's the sales process look like? Yeah. So the, with this opportunity specifically, my only goal is to book a demo. And the way that we do that is we find an interested lead and basically they're like, okay, I'd love to learn more about this. And I'm like, great, let's do a 15 minute call. I ask them for a good time for them their phone number, if I don't already have it, if it's on their email signature, uh, confirm their email is the best way to reach them. Uh, and then basically I have their company information already because I'm reaching out to them from my leads list. So I already know what company they are and I know roughly what their W2 employee count is. Take all that info, pump it into a Calendly link for my partner company that I work with. And I just book the demo for them. Um, so I don't send them a link to book. The key is that I control it. I book it for them once they're interested. I say, all right, I got you all set. You're going to meet with Todd at 11 a.m. tomorrow. And then I'll send an email, like I'll schedule an email to follow up with them the morning of, or usually an hour before. I like to do that works pretty well. Uh, Sometimes a half hour before. I've mixed with both. They both seem to work. And then that's it. I actually don't even need to be on that demo call, which is a beautiful thing, which allows me to work at my day job the whole time while I'm running this operation. Um, So that's, that's the flow. Okay. So they do the 15 minute demo call. Are they closing them on that call? Are they setting up for the big sales call? Yeah. So it depends. Uh, the smaller companies I've seen close right on that call. Some of our advisors are really, really good at closing and uh, they've closed people got agreement side right on that call. 
Others take a lot more back and forth, especially the bigger companies, because they have to confer with multiple parties, whether it's their on-staff accountants, their CFO, if I haven't already talked with their CFO direct. So it's a lot of time looping those people in, hurting the cats. Usually they do a second call, get into the details, you know, send them the agreement. They'll sit on it. A lot of the time they'll kick it to their lawyer naturally to have it reviewed. And then, so that can take a little bit longer for those bigger deals, but um, it's, it's situational. Smaller companies convert pretty fast. Bigger take a lot more time. So in this process, you're not actually the company doing the work for the ERC, right? I mean, you're literally Correct. just functioning as an affiliate. That's exactly right. Yeah. So for you, I mean, really, it's just creating the sales messaging and the email campaigns and running it. And you're running yep. it in your own websites, your own domains, your own everything, and yep. you're just queuing them over. Yep. Yep. And just, just to touch on some funny points along the way here, people get really caught in the weeds and like domains, you know, and believe me, domains are great. You have to do it. It takes time to warm them up properly and it's complex. I have booked deals where I have made 10,000 plus dollar commissions with emails, Gmails, free Gmails that have names as stupid as quote unquote, pretty Gabriel seven at gmail.com. And I booked <laughs> deals something or whatever. Yeah doesn't matter. You can use anything if you put volume behind it. Now it's not optimal, but it works. <laughs> because at some level of volume, there's somebody that really, really needs what you have to sell so badly that they're like, look, I'll take a, I'll take a meeting with pretty Gabriel. Exactly. And it's, it's that, and it's often, it's more so as long as you have a name show up at the top of your Gmail, a lot of times people don't even check to see what the Gmail is. I, unfortunately, this is how so many scammers are able to be proliferate right. with email scams. Why the phishing scams work and so on and so forth. I'm not doing that, of course. And that's obviously awful. And my company has been fished a couple of times and we've been like, whoa, we almost got caught there. So a lot of times people don't even check Gmails and what it is. So you can get away with marketing under one. And if I've definitely had people ask like, hey, why are you sending this from a personal Gmail? And I'm just like, this is one of our outreach accounts. They get good deliverability. So that's why we're using it. And then I'll link them and send them a follow-up with my professional domain email. Um, that's yeah. worked in the past too. How, how, how closely do you guys try and follow all the, the can't spam act and all the regulations and super closely? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's something in the beginning, definitely we were a little green to not as aware, but now yeah. we absolutely adhere to it. You have to just because if you get one person who really, really hated what you were doing, got extremely upset and you hit them a bunch and you were not in compliance and they did report you. And that report landed in some follow-up. You could be in a lot of trouble. Um, and it's just not something you want to do. And we're not trying to spam people because believe me, spam email sucks. It's annoying. We're just trying to get a message out. You have to have very, very clear unsubscribe messaging so people can opt out. You need to respect that. You know, it's something that we really take seriously because you have to. Yeah. So give a, give me your elements and obviously if you're listening like do your own research look at the laws we're not giving you any legal advice or any type of any advice but what are kind of the common things that you know have to be done right obviously you have to name who the sender is you have to have mm -hmm. address you have to have uh, opt-out ability what are some other things those are the main things that you really need to hit um yeah you you want to make sure you have a clear name just like you mentioned opt-out has to be crystal clear you have to honor it um and then you know you have to be getting lists from reliable places like you can get email lists from Fiverr and stuff. I don't recommend it. I, people have done it in our group in the past. I don't recommend it. Get it from a reliable source. Um, and just, you know, it's it's about respect. Just like, just because you're sending an email doesn't mean you're not talking to a human being, right? So if someone says like, hey, that's enough or whatever, or even if they're not super clear in how they're upsubscribing, if they just say they're not interested, 
Don't keep pegging them with, with emails. Just stop. Um, it's pretty straightforward. And, and the compliance, you know, I don't want to quote it, but like it's very, very clearly laid out on the FCC web light, website, their guidelines. It's very clear to stay in CAN-SPAM compliance. Um, and then obviously this is for the U.S. where we are, uh, you can email people without them opting in, right? Whereas EU, everywhere else, you need to be GDPR compliant. They are an opt-in only uh, situation. So it's very different ballgame outside of the US in what you can do with email right now. Yeah. What do you see as the future for email? Do you feel like the regulations will continue to get more stringent here in the US? Likely. Yeah. I mean, just like with anything else, I think regulations generally are going to get stricter and stricter as time goes on. That's usually the trends we see here, um, which, you know, it is what it is, but it's just like anything else in business, adapt and overcome, pivot, yeah. do what you got to do. For right now, it works. Um, it's funny, a lot of people like will say email is dead. It's absolutely not. Um, and before this opportunity, I would have thought it was too. But once you get systems set up for scale, it, it really can work. And now, you know, is email the absolute best way to market? I'm not going to go out and say that. But it's very passive once you set up the systems and it does work. So let's talk about how do you know when it's the offer versus the volume problem? How much volume, like, I mean, this is kind of almost goes like a, a, a statistical question, right? Where it's like, sure. how big of a survey size do you need? But if you can answer that, it'd be great. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I mean, the fun thing that we're doing, I mean, if you break down the offer of what it exactly is happening, it's essentially getting businesses money that often they don't know that they can get, and they don't have to pay anything up front to get it. So the risk is very, very low. It's in their mind can be like, we're kind of getting free money. Well, it's not free money. It's tax money they already paid, right? But it can kind of seem like that. It's kind of already forgotten money that now you can get back. Like, that's extremely exciting. That's fun. The challenge of the offer becomes, is this a scam? Yep. Is this actually real? And especially in the beginning, that was the pushback we got. Um, so that was the, one of the bigger challenges. And then the volume portion, at peak, I was probably sending 8,000 emails a day from my accounts. And then I have guys that work with me that are doing similar, you know, four to four to 6,000 emails a day. Um, and, you know, of that, you're getting a reply rate from anywhere from, you know, on a really bad email that's not performing well, uh, like 1%. But on like my peak, peak ERC days, I was seeing like 7% reply, reply rates on my campaigns, which is for cold email just to 560, 560 replies a day. We were really, really getting a ton. And a lot of those, believe me, in that reply, let me be clear, were unsubscribed. You weren't positive stop. replies, all of them. Yeah. So that's just replies, right? That's But that's not positive replies. Positive replies, more along the lines of like 10 to 20 a day at peak, which is still, I mean, great. Um, what do you see as being roadblocks of people doing email marketing, either from their own limiting beliefs, personal standpoints, skill sets, et cetera? Um, I think the beginning for sure is like the technical setup. It's super complicated so much so that people in our group. Now we have a group of like 2000 people in our Facebook group um, that I've been a part of since the beginning. I actually offer a service within that group to help people set up their first domain. And I do it all as a done for you service for them because it's so in the weeds. And then after I do the setup for them, I give them a half hour call and we walk through everything and I explain, you know, here's what I've done. Here's all the tools. Reach out if you need any help along the way, but it's yeah. done for you. And people are usually pretty happy with that. Um, the technical setup is a bear for domains, at least, um, anybody can get a Gmail and start emailing with that, but there's still some things like 
you got to warm up an email. If it's brand new, you have to warm it. You have to warm the domain. If you don't, you're going to be in the spam inbox. You're, you're just not going to be doing well. Um, and then, you know, like you mentioned, DMARC before, if you have any of that technical stuff on your domain uh, DNS settings messed up, even like a, a capitalization that's incorrect, right? That can screw your entire deliverability and you will be wasting your time. So those little details really count, especially in the beginning. Um, once you're past that hurdle of that technical setup, then it becomes just staying on top of making sure you're not on blacklist, checking your email health weekly or biweekly, however you care to do it, um, and just tweaking as you need. Um, and then like, I guess the third thing probably is volume. Now I said, I'm doing like, you know, 8,000 at peak emails a day that's spread across a lot of emails. You can really, you can't just take one email inbox and send out 3,000 emails a day. It doesn't work. You'll get rate limited by Google. You'll get suspended. It just doesn't work. You have to really keep it lower and get into a bunch of accounts and have those all work in unison to, to make it work well at scale. Let's say someone wanted to send 1,000 emails a day. How many email accounts once fully warmed up would they need? Um, if you're going to be aggressive, I'm saying probably like eight to 10. So like about, you know, 80 to a hundred per day. If you want to be really on the safer side, which best practice, a lot of email marketers and cold emailers will tell you be on the safer side. So you want to be more on that 40 to 50 uh, emails a day per inbox. So about double that. So maybe you want 20 um, to be really, really safe. But in this game, with the cost to get a domain up and running, the time it takes to, to do it, and especially with mixing in some personal free Gmails, I don't care if a Gmail gets totally blocked out. If, if I burn it out, oh well, onto the next. I was buying them for like $5 a piece at the time. It's, it is what it is. And uh, I, you know, I've definitely burned through a good handful. Um, but in terms of the payout and what I'm seeing on the commission side, it's like a negligible cost. Wow. So, what would you say are the, like, is, is there industries where maybe this wouldn't work as well for? Yeah. Like, are you talking ERC specifically it wouldn't work well for or email no, marketing, email in, marketing general? in general in this way? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of industries where it probably won't work that well. Um, I think email marketing is probably best suited for B2B. Um, I think, you know, business folks who have, you know, a company email address, way more likely to read a cold email versus you sending uh, to a consumer a cold email. I mean, as a consumer, the cold email I get spam, deleted, ignored very frequently, but anything that comes from my work email, I'm going to read it. At least if it's the first of one type of offer, right? I'm going to look at it. It's just because it's it's my job. I care about what's coming in. I, it could be some opportunity that could really benefit us because I've had email opportunities come into crazy fruition for us. So I'm always looking and I think that probably goes the same for many other people that work for businesses. If it's coming to their work email, they're going to give it a look over at least once. What's your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Yeah. Um, so I'm all over the place, like I was telling you before, but I, I really think it's going to be a mix of real estate and some other semi-passive uh, side hustle. Um, the email stuff is great. I, I might end up uh, getting into an email agency and helping some other businesses. I'm very open to doing that. I'd love to help people grow on their email outreach, but uh, definitely enamored with real estate. I just, it's such an obvious next move. Um, when you have good cash flow and, and the market's super weird right now, but all that aside, uh, I think real estate makes a lot of sense and specifically land investing, land flipping. It's really caught my eye. I've read a few books on it, talked to a few people about it and really looking into that space. Um, so, yeah. 
Well, Ben, thanks for coming on, sharing about your life and your business. For those of you guys that are listening, hopefully you can take something away from this. If it's not how to send 8,000 emails a day and grow your business like crazy, maybe it's just some of the, the little bits about compliance with, with email. We talked about so much today. Write down something you learned, share it with somebody who knows they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you on the next Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 